I know a lot of people that have been involved in Christian music, but I don't think most of the time as they're sitting in a writer's room and they're writing these songs, they're thinking about it with that in mind, that this song that I'm writing, this song that we're going to sing, it's going to shape someone's theology. Hey, Pantry fam. Are you looking for more faith-based podcasts, but you don't know where to go? The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like faith, culture, family, and entertainment, and offers a safe space to discover inspiring conversations. So if you're a fan of this show, you're going to find encouragement, hope, and joy from other podcasts on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Pantry Podcast. We're serving up Jesus, not junk food, for followers of Christ who don't want to just exist, but be challenged, sifted, and changed by the Word of God. And this is Season 10, Go and Tell. And we're digging into the first half of the Great Commission to embolden you to share God's Word during these tumultuous times. Join us and friends from 77 countries as we feast on spiritual nutrition. You can even be a partner that keeps the show going. Support the show at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast. Now let's dig into the meal. So hey, what's up? Hello. And another exciting day to be here at the Pantry Podcast. Yes, and we have a really special treat for all y'all guest-wise, but I'll get into that in a second. Absolutely. You know, when we're we're actually doing, actually this will be a couple we're going to do this season, Mm -hmm. um, of really digging in and finding out how we can plant seeds into our kids and and really get our kids excited for the Lord. Um, It's really important in this day and age. And, you know, it's it's about raising them up in in, in the ways of the Lord because we always want them to have that foundation. And as I sit here thinking about this because of the title, you know, planting seeds and all yeah. that, that kind of cool stuff. Um, in first Corinthians three, six, we're an apostle Paul is sitting there. Of course they're in a debate and, and it's always like, Oh, you know, don't call me Paul or, you know, it's all this debate. But what really is cool in there in verse six, it says, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. It's kind of calling us to something. It's calling us to service. It's calling us to be those seed planters so that God can then take it, nurture it, grow it and, and, and build a relationship there. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things that we've noticed, we a lot of time you hear like, what is going on in this world? Like, what is going on with people? There's so much hurt and so much anger and all this stuff going around in society. And one of the best places to start is with the children and not just your own, but being mm. that house, that family that's welcoming and supportive, that offers light and encouragement. And we have a really amazing guest, courtesy Absolutely. of our daughter, who <laughs> is a huge fan and then said, mommy, can she be on the podcast? And I was like, that would be amazing. Let's see. And so Yancey is a Woo, worship leader, on. songwriter, and producer of hundreds of songs that make Jesus loud. Her Dove Award winning music is all the things kids love and everything adults value. She's a powerhouse at leading and teaching kids from birth to preteen how to worship and creates popular worship resources for churches and homes around the world. She recently authored the book, Sweet Sound, The Power of Discipling Kids in Worship. And because of her passion to serve the church, she created Heartbeat, a curriculum to teach kids the heart of worship. And she also has a family legacy of this. So we'll hear a little bit more about that in a second. But for right now, the last thing I'll say is that she lives with her husband and two sons in Nashville, Tennessee, just a little south of here. So welcome, Yancey, not Nancy. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, no, this is this is an exciting episode for me as well, because not because my daughter's a fan, but because she requested you like she's involved in our podcast. She's involved 
in Christian content that she can grow from. And it just, it showed some of the watering and the seed planting where she was connecting it. the dots. Like, so you know, sweet. I know. And it's, <laughs> so and I mean, sweet. we jam out to your stuff as well. So, so I'm really excited for all of this. But, um, <clears throat> but I also know that you grew up in the faith and your dad, mm-hmm. most people might not know this, but your dad is one of the, like the leading, I don't want to say authorities, but authorities in kids ministry, you know, like yeah. people learn from him. And so you yourself are a seed planted and blossomed mm-hmm. from a life of that. Could you go into that a little to start us off, like how you started out and how that with your dad impacted you today? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, my dad is, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid and that's been my whole story every day of my life. (laughs) And so my dad started in the late seventies, um, working with kids and really has never looked back. So it was something I always grew up around. And I feel like, especially at this point in the journey, I've had a front row seat, um, just watching his life and the, the kids that grew up you know, to be adults, um, that his life affected. I've had a front row seat to just realize that eight year olds really do turn into 50 year olds. Mm. And I've seen that progression of certain people's lives and you know, their story and, you know, you know, stuff that was going on with them. And, you know, sometimes they grew up and they became Miss America, literally, (laughs) you know, like, and they all have their different story, but I just feel like I've had this really amazing perspective to just realize to, in all the things that we're doing, we, we look at our to-do list right here on most days. Um, whether that's talking about you and your role as a parent, are you in a role as a church leader or a Sunday school teacher or whatever, you're just trying to survive, you know, what that day is asking of you. And I just feel like God's given me this beautiful perspective to be able to see, no, it's a long game. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's things you have to do today, but it's a lot less about what you did that day and about the seeds that you're planting that will be harvested for decades to come. And so I love just reminding us all to to focus on the right things there and just to celebrate that harvest as well. But just, yeah, a little bit of like backstory. So, I mean, I was a preacher's kid who grew up around children's ministry for sure, but I from the time I was single digits knew like music was my thing and felt like that was what God had put me on this earth to do. And to be honest, it was a lot of years in my life before I figured out that God also wanted me to use that music for kids. And so my goals were just kind of like focused on normal Christian music and CCM and I made my first record when I was 17 and a senior year in high school, started traveling, did a lot of youth groups at the time, a lot of, you know, college groups and whatnot, and started coming back and forth to Nashville, just writing songs and meeting with A&R guys and all the stuff and had a lot of amazing things that happened in that season, but like never ended up signing that record deal that you thought I was going to sign. And sometimes it was oh so close, you know, to like some major deals and it just didn't pan out. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're in the moment of those things, you can kind of scratch your head a little bit and wonder like, so like what happened? Like, did I miss it somewhere else over here? You know, like, 
of course, being on this side of the journey, it's very easy to see how like God needed me to go down some different paths and experience some different things and learn about the craft of songwriting or learn about recording and learn about, you know, being an artist to the very best level that you possibly can be. And to even work in a church as a worship leader, leading other worship teams and whatnot. It was just kind of like all these things get getting put in my little crock pot, you know, of life. And, um, I kind of, I I say that God led me through a bunch of easy yeses Mm. when it comes to doing kids music. So at this point, you know, I was like nearly, uh, I don't know, like eight, eight or so years into doing music, had the opportunity to write a theme song for a summer camp program. And so it was just like, write this one song. Okay, I can do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Then the next year rolls around, it was like, do it again, you know? So I did that Mm -hmm. and sang on a kid's project for a friend of mine in Georgia and kind of was a guest vocalist on a couple songs. And it was just kind of like these little bitty opportunities that kind of kept snowballing. And I would randomly have, you know, one of my dad's friends in ministry, like asked me to come do a preteen event when, you know, I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, like officially, but it was like, okay, yeah, I'll just adapt, you know, my little concert that I do for some preteens, you know, yeah, and did that a handful of times. And so, you know, you get, you get far enough along that path then, and you kind of realize, hmm, God's kind of shining a light on this area. And it was just, you know, more and more people were randomly calling me up, asking me to do a family event or a preteen event Mm -hmm. when I wasn't even saying that I did such, you know? And so it kind of got to a point there in late 2007 where it was just like, okay, God, like clearly you're shining a light on this path and you're opening up doors. And so I'm going to walk through it. And of course, like once I did, looking back on it, it's like, well, that's actually genius and clever. Like why did, <laughs> why did I not think of this? And why, why did my parents not even think of this? I'm like, Hey, why don't you take the children's ministry thing and take the music thing and marry the two together? Right. And so, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's been fun, you know, just growing up, obviously knowing a whole lot about church and how church staff things work and leadership and what, what people were looking for and all of those things. And then just really ultimately comes down to trying to meet needs. Right. And as I approach the songs that I create, it's really about like, okay, what are things that I know a children's ministry director is going to talk about at some point this year? You know, there's just Mm -hmm. those reoccurring things that everybody's going to hit on this subject, you know, or what what is something that a parent, maybe need some reinforcement with, you know, and so yeah. write a song for that. And so I, I joke and say that if, if he had told me as a 16 year old, you know, <laughs> that my number one song <laughs> on any streaming platform would be Hosanna rock, a song that I wrote for preschoolers, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think my 16 year old self was ready to hear that. Like, this is going to be your claim to fame, you know, and right. it's going to be good and it's going to yes. be Okay. And awesome. But you know, right. When you're 16, that's not the vision, right? right, right. (laughs) I think I I really think it's cool. The, how it's a shift into pouring into, 
Yeah. You know, a lot of times you're pouring into the adults, you're just pouring into, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to go there, like the emotion and being spiritual and, you know, mm-hmm. being in worship and just having that moment with the Lord. And this is like really going to the root of generation. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's awesome. It's like, yeah, right. 16 years old. No way. It's like, <laughs> you uh, can't even wrap what? your head around the depth what? of it at but, 16. But as we're sitting there and, and we talk about, you know, the record deals that were close and the record deals that were coming, you know, there's these search me, oh Lord moments. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you like what, what did you dig into? How did you navigate those areas to get to the point where you're like, OK, I can receive this. I accept this. Yeah. OK, Lord, show me the way a door closes, because I mean, everyone goes through those door closes. You mm-hmm. know, you think you're going down this path. You're like, what? Yeah, cruise it is like boom. you hit a wall. You're like, oh, yeah. OK, Lord. So I did my first concert when I was 15 the songs I had written that no one had heard, you know, outside of my bedroom. And um, I had an opportunity to join this music group um, in 96, it would have been, and they had like a record deal on the table in Europe and, you know, what seemed like all of these awesome things. And so bought our flights to go to London, Mm. got my first passport, all of this stuff. And we got a contract in related to the group and started kind of processing some of it. And I, like, I remember the day of walking into our kitchen and our family home as a 16 year old telling my parents, like, I'm not supposed to do it mm. with tears in my eyes, you know, because on one hand it was everything that the dream said I wanted. Mm-hmm. But yet I knew in my spirit, I wasn't supposed to do that particular thing. So, you know, we canceled our flights. It was just about listening to God's voice Mm -hmm. and responding to what it was that he was telling me to do. And so it kind of started there. And obviously, you know, a, a whole lot of other things ended up happening that next year. And I did start recording, made my album and started traveling and all that. But then you fast forward a few years later into doing that. And I remember like the first time I didn't have a gig on the calendar, you know, and it was like, mm-hmm. granted, I lived at home. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, oh, uh, I, I'll never eat again, you know? Right. Um, but when you're, you're 19, 20 years old, you know, it's all, it's all magnified to yeah. the, the drama of the situation. <laughs> So I didn't have any gigs on the calendar. So it was like the first time in those few years that, you know, it was kind of like, well, what's next? Like, what do I do now? So I remember I went to Nashville for what I knew was for sure a week. I ended up staying a month, me and my co-writer, and I'll explain a little bit more of that in a moment, but we ended up writing a song called I Don't Want to Go that Avalon recorded it was number one for five weeks on the radio. It was on multiple of their greatest hits projects. It's on a wow hits album, which is like what that platinum record thing over there is for. Did everything that a song could do in Christian music. But in that place where it was just kind of like, I didn't know what was next. And my co-writer at the time had only been writing Christian music he was also in a place where he's trying to figure out what was next. And like, am I going to go to LA and write pop music, which he ended up doing after that, you know, wrote like Backstreet Boys and Clay Aiken songs and, you know, like 
a whole bunch of stuff like that. Super successful. He's back in Nashville writing Christian music again. But we both were just kind of in this place where it was like, what's next? You know, and that is completely what I don't want to go is all about. And yet both of us in that question mark that we were in still it was just kind of like, but I know I want to do what it is that God wants me to do and what God's asked me to do. And so that was certainly another pivotal moment. So I'd written those camp theme songs, you know, unofficially doing kids music and I could record, you know, five more songs and make a kid's album. Crazy enough, a few months after that, had some vocal issues. Then finally got a vocal coach in Nashville involved and she put me on vocal rest and sent me to a ENT. And I ended up with a month there of zero singing and about 36 plus hours a week of, mm. you know, total vocal rest, no speaking. But I would go to church you know, I'm not allowed to sing Ooh, right. in this month. And so I would just kind of like lip sync along to whatever song was being sung in church because it was like, well, I want to participate. Like, I'm not going to stay in here like a lump on a log and not do anything, right. you know. But anytime that there was ever like sing, you know, in the lyric of a song or something about my song, you know, or whatever. Um, I mean, it would just my mine, I would start crying, you know, because in my mind, I didn't know if I had a future mm. and I didn't know if my voice was going to be better, if it was going to be fixed, if this was forever going to be a problem and all of my dreams are over. And I remember, you know, in those moments, just like as, as those words about singing or a song would like break my heart into just kind of praying to the Lord, like, I want to sing for you, like whatever that looks like. Well, about nine months after the vocal issues, it was like, oh, God wants me to do kids music. And it was really hard because it was like a shift and a change of something that I didn't want to happen in my life. I didn't think I was asking for it. I've, I mean, I spent a decade, you know, I would have told people like, I never asked for that to happen to me. God, a few years back, just kind of one day dropped, you know, the the mic drop, <laughs> the revelation bomb in my spirit to show me that I did ask for it. Mm -hmm. Those prayers that I was praying in that month of not knowing if I was ever going to sing again was kind of me making my, my deal with the Lord, so to speak, to do what it is that I do now of making kids music. And so I was just able to see that it, it, even something that seemed hard and seemed like it was something done to me was actually, you know, like the exodus that needed to happen for me to enter my promised land. And it was something I prayed for, just not knowing I was praying for it. Oh, so, yeah. That's yeah. So you know, obedience is leaning into him, turning into him, giving him the authority every moment that we can think about it. And then he's going to work in that and he's going to faithfully kind of steer. And it's not going to always feel like he's steering. It's going to sometimes feel like we're just out there doing the thing and then something clicks. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that we're called to do when we're obeying is the Great Commission. It is this go and tell and make right. disciples. I'd love for you to speak to how you kind of see 
I know you're teaching like the littles that live in houses that maybe they already go to church and all that. But like, do you have experiences where kids that maybe don't come from a faith background heard your music just, you know, at a kid's birthday party or they mm-hmm. were brought somewhere and they and like how your music and how you simplify some very profound truths about the word, mm-hmm. how that can reach even the littles who don't have a like a family unit that's in the faith first off music is sticky and that's the beautiful (laughs) thing is you know the the something that's kind of fuel to my fire is i know that there are songs that i grew up hearing in my mom's car you know which was probably like the first model minivan that they made (laughs) in the 80s um you know, there were there's certain songs that I remember listening as we ran errands and just did all the life things driving around Montgomery, Alabama, where we lived at the time. And I haven't pulled up a recording of those songs in a long, long time. It's been decades. But yet someone can say something mm-hmm. that triggers a lyric that was in one of those songs that oftentimes is based on a scripture, you know, or whatever. Yeah. A, a pastor can preach something. And I instantly have that worship chorus from that Integrity Hosanna, you know, mm-hmm. tape uh, from the late 80s, like playing in my mind. And so that lets me know that what I'm doing goes so much farther beyond just like this stage of life, you know, just right. like your daughter's three right now. But like these songs that she's listening to, it goes so much beyond that. So there was a, a guy named Dana Key. He had been part of this like old CCM rock band called DeGarmon Key. Dana, Dana Key passed away and like just various friends of mine mm-hmm. would kept writing these blog posts about the effect of DeGarmo and Key's music on their life. And multiple people all were saying the same thing, you know, even though they said it in a different way. But they would tell these stories and they said, my theology was shaped by their music. And, you know, drawing the similarities in these posts that I was reading, I just thought to myself, I'm like, I mean, I know people in Nashville and I know a lot of people that have been involved in Christian music, but I don't think most of the time as they're sitting in a writer's room and they're writing these songs, they're thinking about it with that in mind, that this song that I'm writing, this song that we're going to sing, it's going to shape someone's theology, their knowledge, their understanding of who God is, you know, and what he what he's done and what he's capable of doing. You know, my job is the word of God is true no matter how old we are. And so that's the beauty. I do have lots of parents that tell me like, Hey, I I enjoy your music. And you know, like I get something out of your songs and the message because the work, the word of God is true no matter how old we are. Um, But just like everyone in your family might eat the same steak from the grill. Mm -hmm. Chances are the different people in your family cut the bites into smaller pieces right on their plate before they're partaking of it and so that's kind of my job and my role then the songs that i write for kids is just like it's the same word of god it's the same truth of god but sometimes i've just got to chop it into a piece that's small enough or that's using vocabulary that they can grasp and understand so that they either get it, you know, firsthand themselves, 
or their interest is peaked enough that they then ask a question to mom or dad or grandma or that Sunday school teacher about, Hey, so what about, you know, and, yeah. and like my youngest son, he's five. And it's, it's so funny. Like as we listen to random songs in the car, sometimes they'll be like, uh, what did that just say? You know, like, <laughs> you know, it can be other people's music. Yeah. Sometimes he questions something in mind too, where it's just like, he heard the word wrong or he can't, he can't grasp the concept right. like it. Right. Right now, there's a Brandon Lake song, uh, What the Devil Meant for Bad, God Meant for Good. Right, it's like, right. yeah. Poor rhythm. I've explained it every way I know how to explain it. And he still is <laughs> just like, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how right. can he mean, mean it for bad, but then it's good, you know? Like, right, right. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, the, I think. There's so many times, like you were saying, that a parent has told me about a conversation that they had at bedtime with their child because they were, you know, drawing back to a song of mine that they've listened to throughout the day. And that child has a question about it. I definitely have had foster moms message me just telling me about a specific, you know, set of siblings that they had in their care and and even in times of knowing that it wasn't permanent and they were getting ready to lose those kids, but knowing that they had been listening to my music and they had been planting all of mm. these things that are in my songs and these kids. And like, it made those foster moms heart feel better, you know, about right. what was happening because they, they knew like it's in them and it's going with them. And I've, mm. you know, like I've heard them singing along to it. And so that for sure um, is impactful at times, or, you know, sometimes it's the grandparent that's taking them to church and they're experiencing whatever, and they're going back into a home for most of the days of the week that doesn't necessarily live according to God's word, but it's knowing like, okay, those songs are getting planted in a hiding place in their heart and Mm. they can sing with them. Um, I, I think one of my favorite stories of all time too, was a mom, that there was, I feel like she had a set of twins. There was something wrong with them where they did not communicate, Um, but they were singing along to Hosanna Rock. And this mom's telling me their story and where she's like, the only time I've ever heard my child speak was singing your song. Mm. Um, Then that for sure is like, moving and one of my favorite things. And then um, I think just to reinforce all the things that we've talked about too, I had a message from a girl just in the past month that when she was a preteen, I used to travel and lead worship at these events called Superstar and she attended those and she, she, Bonafide was a Yancey super fan, you know? So she messaged, she was like, I don't know if you remember me. And I was like, of course I remember you. (laughs) There's no way not to remember you. But, you know, she told me she was like, I'm, she's in college now. And she's like, I'm sitting in the Mayo Clinic. I'm having some health problems, have some pretty big tests ahead of me. And as I'm sitting here, I was just thinking about your song, God is for me, you know, Mm -hmm. that she knew from when she was a preteen. And she was just like, thank you for what your music meant to me then. And thank you for what it means to me now. And it's just like, that's, that's one of those testimonies that just kind of proves still in the short term fashion, but it's like, yes, they might experience it as a preschooler and I was an elementary kid and as a preteen, but it's with them on those hard days that they're facing something big in college 
and as a middle-aged adult and even when they're a senior citizen and that's the cool part about music is sometimes all it takes is just something to trigger it right you know and it's back in your mind and you're thinking about it it's, again and you're singing along word for word yeah, you know that's awesome it's it's so, amazing as you're sitting there talking about this simplifying simplifying this yeah simplifying the gospel Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I glanced over, I look at my systematic theology books. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's not simple. But yeah. it's amazing. Like this, this young lady who was a, yeah, the Yancey groupie. Yeah. That's kind of cool. A Yancey that's fancy. Cool. Yeah. That's so, that's so cool. But, uh, and, and it, a, a simplified message. It's amazing how we can get into theological debates. We can get in all of these debates. We can talk about, oh, this or that or the other thing. But when it comes down to something, she's sitting in a Mayo Clinic. And look, it went back to simplicity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that in our trials and our tests and all that stuff, we're not thinking about like, I don't, you know, yeah. like sanctification and I'm glorify, being you know, right like, now. you know, and all, these, <laughs> all these big, huge words that, you know, you start getting to back to the simplicity of it. And I like hearing that. I like, I actually like listening to um, the things that are being put out for my child. I, mm-hmm. I never, you know, you would never know unless you have a child. It's like, unless you're around children or you're babysitting children, you're doing these things. Right. But the, even the Bibles or your music or whatever, it's like, it's not that it's so basic that it doesn't share the gospel, but it, you know, it, it's like, but it's easy to understand. And sometimes yeah. even as, as people are in leadership and people who have gone, are going to Bible college, going, gone to Bible college, it's like, I sit there and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, this would yeah. be so much easier to, to say it this way than yeah. it would be to try to complicate the message. Um, and so on that note, um, in your book, you did say mm-hmm. this, and I, and I won't go too deep because I want people to buy it. But uh, but David plays a role, mm-hmm. and, and why why David? You know why did David become and don't you know not without you know blowing it all out? But why yeah. did David become a role in that book? Yeah, well, I mean, for sure, you know, being a worship leader, <laughs> I mean, right. d- d- we we have more information about David in the role of worship leader than like anybody else, you know, that right. we can study in the scripture. Yeah. So for sure, I've, I've long time been a fangirl of David and, you know, believe that he was given that title man out for God's own heart mm. because he worshiped God period. End of story. There was no, and if, but why, how about it? It wasn't conditional. David just worshiped God. And so um, I have, certainly been a fan of just looking into the things we can find in scripture and in the Psalms, even of how David leads others in worship and invites us in certain scriptures of how to participate in worship. Um, I believe that it's highly likely that some of those Psalms that we're familiar with where maybe he's talking about needing a hiding place and needing a refuge and needing a shelter and God being a strength. I don't necessarily think that David was always like writing that song as the testimony of like, let me tell you what happened to me six months ago. I I think some of those Psalms that we're seeing there, he was writing that because he was in a situation Mm. out in the middle of nowhere on whatever path you know, getting to the next place he was going and he needed God to show up in his life Mm. to be a refuge, to be a shelter, to be the strength. And um, I'll share this story just because it's so impactful to me. I actually um, had a friend that I had grown up with a few years ago one day have kind of a family update 
on Facebook updating everyone and what was going on in their life. They had found out that they had a surprise pregnancy that they weren't planning, you know, after having several kids yeah. and were shocked by that. And before they had told everyone, they also were shocked to find out they had actually lost that baby. And so he was writing this post, you know, updating it on everybody. I'm just like, this is what the past few months of life have been for us. But he said the day that they found out they lost that child, he had been studying this passage in second Samuel two, 19 and 20. And it's a, a story where David's own son actually died. And so verse 19, you know, David's hearing the servants chattering behind him and he questions them and was like, is the child dead? And they respond, yes, back to him. And it shows us in verse 20 what David's response was, which was to get up, wash his face, comb his hair, change his clothes and go to the sanctuary and worship God. And when my friend shared that verse, it was kind of like, I'd already been studying David a lot, but it was the first time I had seen this. And I was like, this one verse like backs up everything I've said about the fact that David just worshiped God. Like it was his reflex. It was his muscle. It was this repeated thing that we see over and over in scripture that David did. We know David was a perfect guy, just like you and I, like we mess up. But there were a lot of things that David got right. And I think this is a key area in his life that he had built up that muscle to worship God. And so knowing for even some people that are listening today, maybe they've lost a child. Maybe they've experienced a miscarriage before. Scripture doesn't doesn't tell us that David stayed in bed for the next five days. It doesn't say he ate his feelings away with pizza and ice cream. It doesn't even say that he, you know, went and told a good long sob story to all of his friends on social media. It says David got up, washed his face, combed his hair, changed his clothes and went to the sanctuary and worshiped God. And that right there is what I want to help everyone, kids, students, adults, whatever stage of life that you're on learn that our response and everything is the same on the mountaintops in the valleys on the good days on the bad days when everything's going great and you're getting a raise on the days that you lose your job and you don't know what's next our response is the same to worship god and give him the honor and glory that he deserves and it's in that that we invite god to to move into our space. And I, I always say this, that like oftentimes worship songs give me the vocabulary that I needed mm-hmm. in certain days in certain seasons and situations to speak out and sing of what I believe is true about God. Even on those days that it's like, it's not really my reality, <laughs> you know, right. of how things went down in the past <laughs> three hours. But this song is going to help me sing it and speak it over my life because I believe and know that that's what my tomorrow can hold Mm. and that's what my next year can hold. And so, yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot there. Like I'm hearing all these gold nuggets of these things that have nothing to do with do you have the gift of being able to to sing and play instruments, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. that's a blessing that I've noticed many Christians have. But (laughs) um, but I've noticed the simplicity Right. Mm -hmm. 
people go back to the simplicity. So if you think that you aren't learned enough, if you think you don't know enough theology and doctrine to go share the gospel, it's the simplicity that people come back to. Also, everything that seems to have really hit home with people, it's not the bashing over the head, the incessant uh, correction. Now, of course, when you're already a believer, I always like to put this in when you're already a believer, correction is a loving thing you can get from others, something it's you value it like gold. But when you're talking to those who are not yet reached by the Holy Spirit, Mm. they are not speaking the same language yet. When we're talking about little kids, there's a similarity between the unbeliever and the little kid in that they're starting fresh. They need the right context. And the things you keep saying about the kids who, you know, the, the, the girl in the Mayo Clinic who's saying, mm-hmm. you know, God is for me. That's mm-hmm. what she needed. That's what resonated and made it that much more real. Mm-hmm. And your song, um, I was just listening to it today. The, the future is fun in a world mm-hmm. that's as terrifying as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And these littles keep being born anyway, because that's God's will. Right. And we're like, how do I help my child look past all these things that are escalating? And it's like, well, put on the future is fun because you know <laughs> yeah. what? New heaven and new Jerusalem, right. the new heaven, new earth. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And if you have Christ and you get to you get to like simplify and focus on these positives when you're when you're sharing um, this joy. And I think the other the last thing that I I caught is when you were like, you know, this invitation into worship, Mm -hmm. um, inviting people into the joy and presence of the Lord rather than I mean, it's important to let them know, you know, you need a savior because we're all broke. Right. But let me invite you in to this joy. And so I've gotten so many gold nuggets from you already. And I just like to to highlight them for people in case they missed any, because I think that those are all things that are applicable, no matter what your gifts are, what God has for you. Those are things you can take with you wherever you go. I truly believe kids are the easiest group Mm -hmm. to lead in worship. Mm. Way, way, way easier than middle schoolers, way e- easier than, you know, 40 year old men for sure. Um, but I, I think a huge part of that as to why kids are so easy, like to lead and worship is, is like, they're, they're the closest to the beginning. They're the closest mm. to that starting point before it was corrupted. You mm. know, how, how we might think about it or how we might approach it, you know, like there's, there's less Sundays there of being disengaged, you know, and choosing the opposite. And so Mm. I often find like all it takes in some settings is just a little bit of information and a little bit of like, I call it drawing the box around worship Mm. is where it's just like, I just help you focus in to understand like, okay, this is what it's about and this is what we should be doing. And this is how you respond to it. And I feel like as soon as I do that, then it's so easy to get kids back there of just willingly and easily participating in it. But I think it's just starts back to something you kind of hinted at when you were talking. It was just like, they're, they're the closest to the original creation version of it, you know, where, Jesus himself, you know, highlighted even in that story, the Palm Sunday story, as he's headed to the cross, you know, a few verses past him being on the donkey and the wave branches Mm -hmm. being waved and the children shouting Hosanna. Some adults were questioning Jesus on what they had just heard. 
And he highlighted for them my favorite verse about kids worship um, in Psalm 8, 1 and 2. And he said, have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Some mm-hmm. verses, some uh, translations say ordained or created or right. perfected. Like there's some beautiful word imagery when you go and look at the different translations of that scripture. But I, I mean, that's the truth of it. It's what we are created to do. It's what he formed us to do. And mm-hmm. we are, we are the truest version of who he made us to be when we're giving him that worship that he deserves. And, you know, I was sitting here and I'm just like, not to go deeper and farther, but no, but you got Bible you, verses. Right, well, no, well, when you get, <laughs> well, when you get into Psalm 95, it's kind of an awesome one of worship and obedience. Mm-hmm. And this is what we've heard in, in this whole episode is worship. You know, she's, you're leading worship, Yancy. And, but I'm all, there's a lot of obedience that's been yeah. in there. Like yeah. constantly like, okay, okay, God, I'm just going to keep walking. I don't, yeah. I, I don't understand yet. 10 years, what'd you say a decade in <laughs> like just a few years ago, right? You said you really came to this realization. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like yeah. okay, but you know what? So I was what a did lot that, of years into making music right, at that point. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but look, obedience, right? right. It's like, it's mm-hmm. amazing because there was three points that come out of 95 and it's like the worship of God is a mood of celebration. That that's one of the points that would come out. The other one would be the worship of God is a con- contemplative mode or mood. Excuse me. It's mm-hmm. contemplative. So you're thinking about this. And then, of course, the most I think that we under we don't put enough emphasis on sometimes. But the worship of God is obedience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like it's amazing how that works. Go ahead. No, yeah, it, well, because we're I, wrapping up. So I finish know, it I up. Know we need to wrap up. No, no, like, we're good. We're good. But go I tell all of the elements of this story. I, honestly, we could sit here for an hour, but I'll try to do a really <laughs> fast version of it. So I um, just in the past few years for me, I went to Ark Encounter in Cincinnati, mm. Ohio, where they built, yeah. you know, a life-size replica of Noah's Ark. And, you know, standing in front of that thing that, you know, I've spent my whole life hearing about, but kind of seeing the size and going like, it's really big, you know? Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, people probably really were making fun of Noah. And, you know, right. he probably had days he questioned his own sanity, you know, as mm. he was working on it. But I, I, as I walked through and as I got back in my car and we drove home to Nashville after being there, I just kept thinking about the fact that Noah obeyed. Mm-hmm. Like he was so convinced he heard God speak to him and ask him to do it that he said yes. And he put his hand to the plow, you know, he put his hand to the hammer and took the wood and the nails and like built the boat. And we are having this conversation because he did that. And I was in the season where I really had like been procrastinating, making a new little praise party project, not because I didn't want to, but the money I needed to do, it just wasn't there. And so it kind of was like for a couple of years at that point was always like, well, the thing I should do this year is this, Mm -hmm. but you know, I would just conveniently not do it that year. (laughs) Right. Uh, In this process. And I knew in this season, as I had this revelation that Noah obeyed, that God was asking me to, you know, it doesn't take any money to turn my song ideas into completed songs that are ready to record. And so I could do that, you know, and I could book the studio time and actually go record them. It was just, I didn't have the money I needed to make all the videos. And so I knew God was asking me to step out, even though it didn't totally make a hundred percent sense. And I didn't know how I was going to complete the task, 
but I knew I had to take action to it. And so, um, I mean, that's what 2019 was for me. Funny enough, kind of completed the creation of all of that, like mm-hmm. right as the pandemic like happened. And so it ended up changing everything about the release schedule. But in, in particular, I had this song idea, um, Ready, Set, Go. That was something I had on my phone where I just thought it's going to be a song just about running our race, you know, and helping people finish their race. But I realized, mm-hmm. shoot, there's a lot of Christians they don't need to be reminded to finish the race. They're not even running the race. They haven't even started the race that God actually put them on this earth to do. And so when I sat down to actually complete that idea in this context of Noah's obedience, that song took on a a totally different kind of life of its own, where it's mixed with this whole thing, just about God speaking to us. And will we listen? Will we obey? Will we walk in obedience? Um, And, you know, if I fast forward some time as I walked through 2020 that fall, um, when I was to this phase where it was like, okay, well, God's taking care of me this far. Like, you know, I'm still not traveling to a normal capacity and whatever, but like, I'll just, I'll keep trusting him because he Mm -hmm. was good through June and he was good through August. And so this fall can still trust him. And I just felt like God uh, spoke to me and just told me he was like that that music project, that was your arc, mm. you know, like that, that was your version of me asking Noah to build the ark was me asking you to do right. that. And there was just a lot of provision and a lot of blessing and a lot of covering that came from that and um, being nominated. And then even winning my devil award last year for that project in particular um, was so significant and so, mm. so much of a God a God ordained thing to happen. Um, It truly just felt like him then like throwing confetti down in my honor at that point to just, because it felt so much as part of this like completion of what had been this multi-year journey of listening, saying yes, Mm. stepping out, walking in obedience daily, weekly, monthly, staying committed to it. And then just seeing God provide in miraculous ways because of it. Psalm 95, one, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Listen, it's a calling. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And thank you for doing that for our kids. Thank you for pouring in. Thank you for putting out. Thank you, Lord. Look, let's say thank, thank Lord yeah. for using you in this capacity, for giving you an ark that showed you where you needed to go and, and you faithfully doing that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, you for sharing so many oh my gosh, stories so because a lot of people, like I think it was Peter earlier this season, Peter Schreimer, who said stories are what people remember and what really speaks and puts it in context for them. And so you've given us such a wealth. The last thing, how can people connect with you and get their kids connected with yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> whatever platform we're doing at the time, you'll find the <laughs> username of VNC, not Nancy. So whether that's Facebook or Instagram, follow me there. Um, also on YouTube, I've got a whole lot of videos that your kids can pull up and watch Um, my channel GNC, not Nancy there as well. And so do that. My music's on all the streaming platforms. So whether you're Spotify or Apple music or Pandora or Amazon or whatever thing. And then if you want to learn more about my book as well, you can go to yancyministries.com slash sweet sound and learn more about that. 
Awesome. awesome. I'm gonna throw one more in there. Minnow. I was about to. Yeah, <laughs> Minnow, I was about yes. to. That's how. That's how our daughter really plugged into Same. everything, Yancy. Yeah. Yay. So, so yeah, this has been amazing. Remember, all the links will be in the show notes and at thepantrypodcast.com. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.